Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 15th, 2021. You're listening to the greatest poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I, I think our poker cast probably beats other planets as well. Probably true. Yeah, we we don't know that for sure yet. We can't verify that. Yeah, that uh, what's that? That British spacecraft is at Mercury now, right? British or French or <laughs> Chinese or <laughs> not American and not not Bezos, Musk or uh, Branson. No, no. <laughs> no. Did you watch uh, William uh, Shatner blast off in space yesterday? I, I watched a clip of it, and uh, I'm glad he's boldly going where no TV host or TV star has gone before. I was flipping channels, uh, trying to find silver spoons, which we'll talk about next week. Yeah, about this week. But uh, and then I said uh, I saw the live Shatner live launch. I clicked on it, and it was like T minus three minutes. I was like, perfect timing. I mean, not that it's all that exciting. It goes up yeah. and comes down, but you know, yeah. it's kind of like that model rocket you did when you were a kid, except you know, it actually goes to space. But whatever, you know. I'm glad he's alive. <laughs> he made it. Guy's yeah. ninety years old, and it's just amazing. Yep, yep. And he got out of that thing pretty good, too. Wobbled yeah. a little bit, but, you know, hey. <laughs> uh, I like to wobble out of bed at 90 if I'm lucky, so. <laughs> Ricky Schroeder went to school in my hometown at the exact same time I was going to high school. He, he, he went to uh, Choate, that famous, uh, you know, prep school, which yeah. which is, like, better than, like, 90% of all college campuses on the planet, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> I just went back home last week. That's why I couldn't do a show, and we drove through where Choate is, and you know, I don't live there anymore, but now, I mean, it just keeps expanding, so it's been years since I've been there, and it's, like, ridiculous. But he went to school at Choate the yeah. same time I went to school at my high school, and uh, I never ran into him, though. All four years that he went to school, I never even saw him or heard, like, a rumor of where he was or anything. But, uh, of course, now he's Rick, Rick Schroeder now, sorry. Yeah, you, you would have got to ride, ride the train and play the video games, and that would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> But that's next week's show. Don't get ahead of yeah, us. Yeah, don't get ahead of us. Yeah, let's, we're let's... way behind on the Survivor stuff, too. Is that We keep pushing stuff off like the old days when we actually had stuff to talk about. <laughs> All right, let's All go. All right, the World Series of Poker is off and running, so we've got a lot of updates because uh, you were out of town last week uh, showing off at your college campus and yes. weddings and all kinds of other fun stuff. Yes, so. yes. All right, Jesse Klein has won event number two, the 25K horse. Despite having less than this event's buy-in and career tournament earnings and facing a final table featuring... Featuring Phil Helmy with Matt Glantz and David Benjamin. Uh, Ari Engel earned his second career bracelet by winning event number nine, the 10K Omaha 8 Championship. Jason Kuhn, who was on the short list of best players without a bracelet, as we talked about what, last show, right? Right, uh, yeah. Won his first by taking down event number 11, the 25K Heads Up Championship. Kelly Minkin and Adam Hendricks caused a stir in event 15, the $1,500 six-handed no-limit hold'em. Minkin had registered and sat down. Before playing a hand, she asked the floor if she could unregister because she claimed a player at the table next to her had harassed her and stolen money from her. Later, she re-entered the event. Hendricks tweeted his disgust over it because the floor told him she would not be allowed to re-enter. He eventually tweeted out a correction but maintained this is a loophole WSOP brass should look into. Jason Manette won his fourth career bracelet in event number 16, 10K Limit Championship, beating famed political prognosticator Nate Silver heads up. I don't think like prognosticator. <laughs> Usually only use that for the groundhog, but, you know. <laughs> uh, Anthony Zinno won his third career bracelet in event 19, the 10K Stud Championship, and Phil Helmuth chasing his record 16th bracelet and made his fourth final table of the series. Helmuth made headlines in the event for something else, though, going on a 15-minute F-bomb-filled rant where he said he'd burn the casino down if he didn't win the tournament. Uh, the Rio is still standing, by the way, though, folks. <laughs> uh, he's got plenty of Twitter hate for the meltdown, as well as questions as to why he's not penalized for the language or the threat, whether it meant in jest or not. 
my favorite tweet, Barney Boatman, I can dodge rulings. <laughs> Baby part, though. Uh, it also apparently happened in the earshot of the uh, Raise It Up event, which seeks to end abuse at poker tables. Can't, 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 can't replicate the irony in that. Yeah, I was say, can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Daniel Negreanu entered event number 20, the 1K flip and go nine times. But wait for it, David Williams entered 19 times before advancing, Chris. Jeez. And Tom Hammers entered event number 22, the Women's Championship, with a buy-in of $10,000 and a plan to donate any winnings to charity. Despite his good intentions, Hammers received criticism for entering. Whew. All right, wow. so before we start, I'm going to let you talk because I've just talked forever there. But Well, let me say... Uh, what I'm going to feel bad, though, real quick, though, I'm going to feel really bad is we're going to spend a lot of time talking about people doing bad things or potentially bad things at the expense of talking about all these people that had great accomplishments. And that bothers me, but we're still going to do it. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's remarkable. Helmuth is making all these deep runs. Uh, he's probably going to be player of the year if he takes one bracelet now. And they're all almost all in mixed games too, which he's always been his quote yeah. unquote seal. So yeah, yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's trying to prove a point now because I mean he he been hearing that for so long, and then he finally broke that you know sort of cycle last time or whatever time before last. But um, a lot of interesting names on this list. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of the Kelly Minkin Adam Hendricks thing. Um, somebody has a problem with somebody at the table. I think they're allowed to leave, and then. I can understand that it's one of those, well, if you don't like, you're sitting with a bunch of really good players and you want to try your luck with someone else, you unregister and re-register, and that's not right. But I don't know. I mean, uh, it's sort of the, uh, you know, you believe the abuser, uh, the, the abusee first or whatever, you know, and the person who's been, you know, uh, offended or harassed first, you know, and if she says it's true, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting... Uh, it's a tough spot, right? Tough spot, yeah, it really is. Because here's the thing is that, you know, we mentioned the Raise It Up um, event that was going on when, when Phil Helmuth was lighting the match, but right. never got around to lighting the match, right? Um, but that, that's really what we're talking about. I mean, this is the Women's Poker Associations. This is their signature thing that they do every year to really get casinos to sign on on a zero-tolerance abuse pledge, which – which they they say through their studies is the number one reason that women don't more women don't play is they feel intimidated at the table not necessarily by the game but by abusive players around them right right and I think any of us rational players um, endorse and sign on to that um, that thought so um, so here's a situation where you have a woman who says hey I've been harassed by this person over here. Um, so the uh, compassionate thing and what it would seem like the raise it up um, is trying to get to is to allow that person not to be abused at the table and unregister um, and then re-register. The problem is then we know how humans are. I'm not even going to say poker players, but we know how poker players are too. But they're, poker players are human, right? Right. Once you see an opening to do something, you exploit it. I mean that's just human nature, right? right. So. Now, if you sit down at a table and it's that that mixed game final table with all these heavy hitters there, I mean, what's to stop you going to the floor and I'm like, hey, Phil Homie beat me. I took my milk money as a kid, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me unregister and then I'll re-register and I'll spin the wheel at, at getting a, a softer table. So I don't think there's a I don't think there's a win here, unfortunately, and that's what I feel is really bad about this particular situation. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> I. I it comes down to if you're someone who's been abused, then it's something that you have to think about. Am I going to enter an environment where the person who abused me or stole from me or whatever is going to be there? And if that's a chance that's going to happen, then you probably need to think about whether or not you're going to go there. So then people would say, well, you know, they, they have every right to be there, but, you know, it doesn't mean the other person doesn't have the right to be there. It's he said, she said at that point, yeah. I don't I don't know how you you do win this. I, and I don't know if the you know, if it falls on the person who is the one that's going to have the problem to make up their minds. In this case, yeah, you know, yeah. does Kelly have to say, hey, you know what? I, I this guy's here and I can't or this person. I don't know if, what this person was here. And I, I don't know if I can handle this or not. Maybe I shouldn't enter. Or at the same time, and then people say, well, she should have every right to enter. Okay, well, okay, but you're going to have to live up to the same situation as every other player in this tournament. 
I mean, okay, so you don't sit at that table, but you could literally break that table in an hour and be sitting with them again next time. Then what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, ask for a table change or something? Next to somebody that's abused you worse, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, here's one thing, and, that, and it's really hard to get a straight story on what happened here. There's all kinds of different versions. So I'm going to just take an assumption that that um, she was not told uh, that she had an option, right? Mm-hmm. She she asked, hey, if I unregister, will I be able to register again? And she was told yes. What we don't know is if she would have been told no. Again, assuming this happens this way, right? Right. You know, because we all like options, right? You know, we go into the dealership and I'm like, can I get that car in red? And they're like, no, we only have it in black. Okay, I'll take the black, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Or somebody might say, all right, fine, I'm going to walk out and go somewhere else, right? So you don't know what would happen there. So, um, and this is one of the reasons that we have rule number one in the TDA rules, right? So tournament directors can make a a ruling that goes against uh, something else for the betterment of the game. So it does come down to discretion here, and I don't know whether the floor knew Kelly. Uh, I don't I don't know what went on. I mean, I, honestly, none of us know because there's so much misinformation. Uh, or not, I shouldn't say that. Uh, so many different versions out there, right? Yeah. So we don't know whether this floor might have known the history here and said, yeah, that's that's a good case. That's something that we'll, we'll make an exception for. Um, I, I, I don't know, but, uh, but, but, you know, this is, and part of it was the big fight over Twitter and social media, which has always been a big thing I've whined about on the show. Right. So, and one of my big problems with Twitter, um, is that you can't edit. So you have to delete or you leave it up. In this case, Adam sent a correction out. Um, but even this correction, I think still made the point that we're talking about. I'm like, is this something that should be allowed or not? Um, one of the things that I was thinking about while you were talking was, you know, when people have a restraining order, right. and what if, what if, like, let's say two popular poker pros got into a fight with each other, and one of them said, you know, I can't handle this anymore, and they get a restraining order. So let's say Negreanu and Helmut have restraining orders on each other or whatever. That'd be awesome, by the way. Right. Exactly. So what 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 happens then? You know, are, you're not allowed to enter. You're allowed to be 500 feet away or something. So. Okay, so you're in the same building, you're in the same tournament, but you have to now say this person can not, you know, within the document or something, this person cannot willingly enter an event that this other person's in for the fear of them being together at a table someday. Or So, you know, it's like if that were to happen, if she, if Kelly were to show up and say, I had this training owner on this person who abused me and stole from me and everything, yeah. and you've placed me at their table, you have to unregister me and move me or something – then I think no no one would care. But because they're taking her word over it, you know, then it's like some people are having a problem with it. And I don't I don't know how you have a problem with it, but you know what? I mean that's you know, if you if it's something something blatantly abusing the option or something, you know, but if it's a one time thing, I think I can understand it. Um but again, you never know when they're gonna use their one time, you know, as they say in poker. So Well, I mean here's where the problem comes in, and this is this goes back to the whole raise it up thing, right? I mean, there there are people that tweeted that I mean there's one that said, What, there was some guy next to you at the table that you don't like? Well, that happens to me at every tournament, right? Yeah. Um which is tone deaf to the situation, right? Yeah, yeah. It's essentially saying just man up and deal with this is the way poker is, where the raise it up folks are trying to change poker so we don't have that problem right so that's that's where it gets really tricky i think um on this it, it's it's very simple for someone just to say man up it's a little harder to actually solve the problem that is causing the particular issue so uh, i don't know we'll see what happens going forward but okay how about this uh helmuth uh, f-bomb tirade now did he do any of this on twitter because then would he win the the first person to go on the twitter rant or that's right yeah, yeah. But one one person said that, right? No, it was supposed to be between Kessler and. Oh, okay. Just those two. All right, all right. Uh, but somebody gave a pity vote to him, so yeah. But yeah, it wasn't on Twitter, but it was on uh, on, on floor. stream. So <laughs> yeah, and I watched, and somebody put together a sixteen-minute highlight, which is not just this hand, but all the other hands that he was a complete ass already in this uh, this uh, um, series so far. So unbelievable. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back to that tweet. I mean, I laughed about it. I can dodge rulings, but I'm like, to me, that's that's one of the real big problems here is that 
he seemingly gets away with this stuff because of his celebrity. Yeah, it's like the Jordan rules, except it's the Helmuth rules. Yep. You know, yep. there are certain things that these people, they do a lot for the game, and they don't like to be, you know, the, the people who are dealing with them don't want to be harassed by them, so they kind of look the other way, and it's not right. It's not right in any sense of the of the word, but they, they still do it. But uh, Yeah, at the same point, nobody at the table asked for a floor. The dealer did not on his own ask for a floor, so, you know, there is some... Some level of responsibility there um, if the people at the table were felt threatened by it. And there's no indication that I saw that anybody there was. I mean, you had Jack McClellan, who has been a tournament director of the World Series for 10 years, sitting right next to him and calming him down with jokes, right? Um, and then you had Anthony Zinno, who was the subject of this rant, went on to win and was effusive in his praise about how what a wonderful player Helmuth is in his winning uh, interview, right? So. It's quite possible that these people just say, oh, that's just Phil and weren't worried about it. Um, the problem with that attitude, though, is, again, we go back to this raise it up, right? So as long as you allow it and you say, oh, well, I'm not threatened by it, uh, I don't care whether anybody else is threatened by it, which is what you're saying, essentially, right? Yeah. Then it continues. Um, so, I, you know, I don't want to get into dealer bashing because there's a lot of that going on uh, with the series right now. We knew going in that uh, there weren't going to be enough dealers to run this properly. Um, that there are going to be a lot of really new dealers. I mean, the number of my poker friends that have told me that they've sat down at tables and the dealer said, this is my first hand of poker outside of dealer school that I'm dealing is staggering to me. Uh, not surprisingly, but staggering. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I can't imagine that they would put a, um, a break-in dealer at a TV table, um, but maybe they did. Um, so... But there, there is a, a sense of responsibility for the dealer in this situation to to be the to be the heavy, right? And yeah. not just that the players are going to be speak up and ask for a floor. But you know, dealers are allowed to ask for floors. They don't need to be waited. They don't need to wait for a, a player to ask them. And that should have been a situation. But then again, you're you're in the middle of a live stream at a featured table, so you know there should be a tournament director just hanging around right there, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that the the whole thing falls on the World Series here? There, there's no there's no excuse for this in any sense of the responsibility because if you go to the dealer and the dealer's like, I'm new, I don't, I'm not how to deal with this. All right, fine. But you know that one, Helmuth is, you know, poised to do stuff like this no matter what. You know they're going to be on television or on stream or whatever. So it's on you to be over there. And we all know, we have it on tape here, we have it on whatever you want to call it, on video that he's using language that is unacceptable at the World Series. And it's and plus the abuse on top of it. And it's it's unacceptable that they they stood for this or let this happen. And it's such a high profile event too, a ten K stud championship where you know the whole world's watching. It's just unacceptable. Yeah, um and so a couple I um furiously writing down notes so I don't forget here because <laughs> I've got a lot more to say here. Okay. So a couple things. Uh, first, um, as he always is, he's NASCAR'd up, right? So he's got the Aria sweatshirt on. He's got some Bitcoin thing on his hat. Yeah. At some point, I think the sponsors need to step in and say, hey, you're not a good – this is not our image. Right. The, or Bitcom.com or whatever it was on his hat, right? And that hasn't happened. So I'd be interested to see if that's going to happen because that seems to be what's going on now is – you know, call it wokeism if you want, but um, you know the people that are paying money to represent your brand are being very brand conscious now. So a little different in the poker world, I know, but that would be interesting. Um, the next thing I want to say is now, granted, Phil Helmuth is on a poker level that I will never see in any lifetime, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe he's seeing things. Well, he's not maybe certainly seeing things differently than I am. But in this particular hand, he had split queens from the beginning. And that's what his hand ended up being, right? Right. It's not a strong stud hand. It's not a strong any hand, right? Right, right. And so the fact that, you know, this guy just started with three diamonds, I mean, I mean, how many poker players fold three diamonds? Right. Another bat, right? So right. Um, th that seemed a little odd to me that, uh, that he seem to think this guy got lucky. And let's be honest, Anthony Zinno is not a rookie. I mean, <laughs> this guy, this is his third bracelet, and he's won a crap ton of money elsewhere, too, right? Yeah, I think so, he was even on our cover once. Yeah, past. he was. Yeah. yeah Borgata. Um, like a Borgata, exactly. Um, so I, I think that's a little 
ridiculous to, you know, it's a different story. If you've five, five cars in a row, you've got a straight and somebody's hanging on with a bunch of junk and then, you know, runner, runner, runner into a flush. Right. Different story, right? right? This is, this doesn't make sense to me, but, and that leads into my third thing. I mean, when I watched it today, I mean, it didn't look like a normal, um, sudden rage Helmuth rant like we've seen before, right? Uh-huh. It really did seem like he's just playing it up for the camera. And because, I mean, he, it was F-bombs here and there, and yeah, he threw the cards down and they slid off the table. But other than that, it was a very measured rant. All of these that I watched this morning, all in the same clip, right? Right. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable to ask whether he's doing this to keep up his poker brat persona. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought that's what that was from the day one when we've seen him. I mean, you still are kind of insulted by it, you know what I mean? But you, you don't, um, you don't. I don't know. It's, it's hard to put in words. But the, the problem is that you, you start to say, how far do you take it? You know, when, when you, you see stuff like this, even though he's, if he's not dropping the f bombs, then you're like, okay, you know, whatever. He's just being a, a jerk. But he's breaking rules now on top of it. And I know it gets back to the raise it up stuff too with the abuse. But um, he, he's always been this way. And, you know, a lot of people, they always defend him and say, oh, he's, you know, um, he's, just, he's, a, he's a pussycat uh, outside of the, the, you know. But it, it doesn't matter. It, that's not what you're doing. You're not, and you're not playing against the person outside of the casino. You're playing him in the casino. This is what he's like all the time. And, I mean, of course, here we are talking about him, you know what I mean, which is what he wants, and it's what his brand wants. And so, you know, I, 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 there's no way to get around it unless you're just going to never report on him ever again, you know, and you're not going to do that. Well, and he seemed to take some issue with people calling him an ambassador of poker, and I'm going to take issue with him taking issue with that because when you've made this much money, not just at the table, but in endorsements, you know, he's on every TV show. You know, he's playing up the fame a lot out of this, right? Right. Um, you know, you do have some responsibility there. You don't have to be the um, uh, one million for one drop representative and donate your money. Um, Barry Greenstein, donate your winnings to charity. You don't have to go that far, right? But I think you do have to acknowledge that you are a, a face of poker, whether you want to be or not, because of what you're doing. I mean, I think it's a different story if you just go play poker you don't take any endorsement money. You don't get on TV. You don't. You don't have. You don't create a persona like you're a pro wrestler. Um, those people I'll give a little bit of a pass to because you're not trying to be ambassador. You're trying to win poker games. This guy is trying to be ambassador, and then when it goes back in his face, he gets upset about it and says, "I'm not an ambassador." Right. I find a problem with that too. Yeah, so. I do too. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we're only a fifth of the way through the series here, so. Uh, we'll see both how how well he does playing and how well he does controlling his 57-year-old temper, too. That's the other thing, too. I mean, at, at some point, when do you get ridiculous being <laughs> the crank out there? But, <laughs> um, all right, so I, the, we got two more things to talk about before we move on to Survivor. So the flipping go. So we talked about this last week about whether you could re-enter or not. And I was like, no, there's no way because you flip and go. But I didn't realize since they have flights, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. So they had all day flights, so as long as you know you can fire off these bullets, so uh, so yeah, so so David Land, there was 19, at least nineteen flights. Uh, yeah, well, I think I think it was really confusing to me. So they had different flights, but then you could also re-enter the flights. So I mean, again, so the way they worked it is the people that advanced came back at seven o'clock that night, and I don't know when it started in the morning, ten a.m., eleven a.m., whatever. So. You know, when you think about flights, it's not like you're moving on. Uh, I mean, they had a couple different buy-in times, I think. But, I mean, really, it's a single-table satellite at this point, right? You know, you right. register, you do a flip-and-go. If you if you advance on, take your name, and you come back at 7 o'clock with 160,000 chips, and you play a tournament. So that makes a lot of sense um, in the sense of, you know, how you're going to get entries in this. And you knew there were going to be some of these degens that would would fire. I mean, that's nineteen thousand dollars. The min cash in this tournament, by the way, was two k. Jeez. So I mean, at nineteen times, you had to go really far in this tournament to recoup that uh, that money. Even nine times, like Dan on the ground, you had to go pretty far in the tournament to to get that money back. So I think it just proved what we kind of talked about on the show. I mean, the the degenerate. Now I made the point. 
that if you're a pro, you would be willing to put this 1K down, flip. If you didn't make it, then you could go on and do something else. What I didn't really <laughs> uh, acknowledge at the time was, no, these people are just degens and got $1,000 bills in their wallet like I have dimes. <laughs> just keep throwing them on the table because they just want to advance. Now, let me so. ask you this. Do you know anything about the procedure of this event? Because did they literally set up all these tables and have someone actually deal out cards for this crap? Or did they just do some sort of electronic thing that... Oh, know? there's no cards. I saw pictures of them. I mean, it was actual... They, they, they dealt three cards, and then you obviously had to choose which one to discard. And yeah. then they, oh, my God. They should have done this differently. They should have done it with, like, just a computer or something where you could just sort well, of like, okay, the first ten entered, here we go. You know. Now you can look at gaming commission rules and I stuff. Know. I don't know. I know. I mean, I'm not saying it's not kosher, but... Well, you know how they do the online thing, and then they have them do the final table in person? That's what they should do. So you're not yeah. wasting all of these damn dealers and all these you know, all these tables and everything. Wouldn't you feel like you got cheated out of the, the rush of this tournament? Again, we talked about this last week. This is not a tournament for everyone, right? Yeah. But if you're entering this, I think the reason you enter it is that rush of getting those three cards, the squeeze. Yeah, uh, yeah. What am I going to fold? Waiting for the dealer to put them out, and I'm sure they didn't fire out the flop turn and river. Um, they they did it dramatically, like they do with the final tables, right? So um, I, I think that's what you're paying for here. I mean, at least some of that thousand for me. Part of that thousand would be the pageant, yeah, yeah, of, of how they do it. So, but I don't know. And this other guy, this Tom Hammer's guy, the women's event thing. I mean, seriously, why? If you're going to donate your winnings to charity, then just enter a thousand dollar event and give nine grand to charity. Well, and someone said just give ten thousand dollars to a uh, a women's charity, and uh, and they said you probably would still make it on TV because that, that's kind of the assumption is that this guy, this this is you know he wants some recognition for what he's doing, uh, um, and, and there's no indication that this guy is not a nice guy right i i just again it's tone deaf um, yeah exactly it's like hey as long as i give my money to the charity uh, it's all good well no it's that's that's the whole point of this is that it's supposed to be a women's event um and the women want to have their own event just like the seniors event and that and when you enter even if you're a nice guy um you're, you're causing people to be uncomfortable at the table because that's not the event they signed up for has, uh, has anyone ever tried to enter the senior event who's younger than the age that's a very good question. I don't know. Right. I mean, and how can you stop them from entering? I'm guessing not because it, you don't get the, the recognition. I mean, the, the notoriety, right? I mean, it's I different when you're a guy sitting at a table with women and um, then if you just have to be a 20-year-old punk and uh, with a bunch of 50-year-olds, <laughs> 70-year-olds. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be anything that re- would really necessarily stop that as far as I know. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, so I mean, I'm going to give this guy the, the benefit of the doubt that he did this with the best of intentions. Um, I just wish he would have like focus grouped it <laughs> with some other folks and yeah. like, hey, great idea. Don't do it. <laughs> do something else. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, and I'm sure the women's championship ended yesterday. I just didn't update today. So we'll talk about that more uh, next week. But okay, cool. We'll see. All right, so we've been teasing this Survivor talk uh, for a couple weeks, and then our, our good buddy um, uh, David Bloomberg, who is the uh, who's been a longtime Annie Up fan and hosts this uh, Why X Lost Survivor podcast forever, um, uh, I binged our shows waiting to, to see the episode. Here's the episode that we talked about. I'm like, ah, you have to tune in. You have to watch one more. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, real quickly, if you're not a Survivor fan, trust me, I'm going to try not to bore you here. Because this is really, I, I'm talking about this not because I'm a Survivor fan, but because I'm a poker fan. And I, I really think, and I think you probably agree too, Chris, that there's a lot of parallels between poker and Survivor. Mm. Um, they're both uh, games of imperfect information where um, a skilled player um, has an expectation of doing better. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, in fact, um, I, I mean, I used to play like, you know, uh, follow the queen in baseball for dimes with some buddies before um, we got involved in this. Uh, but Survivor, I, I was a Survivor fan more uh, earlier than I was a poker fan. Wow. You know, I didn't really become a poker fan until I met you guys at the Times and we, you know, started having the home game and then we done by the podcast. And Survivor's been on for 21 years now, right? Yeah, so, right, right. 
So, I mean, I think that's that's one of the the, stri- um, the, the the lines I'm taking here is that because I was such a fan of Survivor, it was really easy for me to get into poker because there have been fewer than 600 people that have gotten the, the honor of playing uh, the American version of Survivor. There's all kinds of other ones, right? But mm-hmm. the American version, um, and it's really hard. I, I mean, you can't just sign up for Survivor, right? right. So, but I can go to my local poker room and I can play poker, and I think it's very similar, um, except you get to eat food. Well, not now, but <laughs> you just eat food. <laughs> so here's where my, my rant was. This year, um, the host, Jeff Prost, who really kind of took over as showrunner a couple years ago and really trying to mold this thing in his own vision, right? Really wanted to shake it up after being off the air for COVID. Um, apparently came up with a very complex um, idea. One of the former contestants, he asked him about it, and that contestant said, that's great, but it's not going to be fun. And he's like, whoa, okay. So he threw that all out and then created this new version that's supposedly fun. Um, my problem is, is that it's now, in my opinion, it's crossed the line from being a game where there's more skill to a game than now that there's more luck. And that's a fundamental change that makes it less exciting for me. Well, so what you're contesting is that now with the extra added things, it's too much luck. Whereas before there was luck, but overall it was more skill. Just like poker, I'm like, you know, you can <clears throat> make the best decisions, but you can't control what that river card is, right? So right. And that's what's exciting because anybody can win. Granted, if you are very skilled, you're going to win more often, but there's still the, that, that element of chance. And, and you need that element of chance to make it interesting, right? I mean, I, I, I play back, backgammon on my phone all day long, but it's a solved game, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, it, there's some luck in what you roll, but other than that, it, it it's not that exciting. So I really don't know why I play it as much. <laughs> but, but you want that, you want that luck element. You just want, I think, as a skilled player, you want your skill to um, matter, right? Yeah, you want it to win out over all of the other lucky options that are available to the rest of the players if you're better than they are. And so the poker tie is the way I kind of explained to David Bloomberg was uh, let's take Hold'em, right, which I think we all um, agree is really the quintessential poker game, right, even though you may prefer other versions of poker. But it's the quintessential one. Um, And there are variations of it now. But, you you know, Texas Hold'em is still the gold standard. So if they just all of a sudden decided that they're going to peel off three more cards after the river – with no betting rounds, right? So right. you bet up and down the river, and then you're done, and then you turn your cards over, and then bam, 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 three more cards. And not, not like a run it twice thing, but just three more cards. Right. That's kind of how I feel like it is on Survivor now. They've added all this, these these new twists and um, things, and it, it, it's, it's taken the skill out of it because now you've, if you get unlucky and you get one of these disadvantages i call them um because they're not really advantages no one's getting anything good out of this crap because the way they did it um you could be drummed out of this game without actually getting played well i think i felt this way back when they started find having these hidden immunity idols right once that started then i felt the way you did but once that started now it's not the same game anymore, and no matter how much luck, because even when they did it back then, you'd be like, okay, the guy found a hidden immunity and that was it. Then they started hiding them again, yep, like yep. if the guy used it or if they got voted off the show within their pocket, and then it's like, okay, now you're immune, you got another chance at immunity, and then, you know, like the original Survivors, which I never saw, but I've heard about them, and Jean watched all the original shows, so she's told me a little bit about them. You know, the original ones were so much more true to survivorship. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you barely ate at all and they didn't give you anything. There weren't even reward challenges. And it was just you oh, go out there and right. So the, the fact that there's a chance that you can get a steak dinner, you know, on an island where you're supposed to be surviving, you know, to me is the whole luck thing anyway. And, yeah, there's some skill in winning the challenge. And I agree with that. I liken this now to the draw games of poker where there's a joker involved. 
Yeah. And you're contesting, I think, that they've added four Jokers to the deck rather than just being two well, or one. I mean, so you're right. There, there's been an evolution of the game. Um, and, and there has to be. Again, this is a TV show. This is not something else, right? right. So um, the, the, the very first season, um, it, it was just let's throw these people on an island and let them fight it out, Lord of the Flies, right? And then you realize, well, we got to juice it up a little bit, so let, let's throw an, an idol out there. And then, oh, and now what if we hide the idol? And So it, it evolves. It needs to evolve. So I'm not against it evolving. What I'm against, though, is that the the things in power are, are punishing. So, yeah, somebody gets something and finds an idol. All right, great. You know, that there's some skill involved in that, and, and now their game is elevated because of that. What I'm saying now is these things are – de-escalating your game they are imprisoning you so you can't do anything i mean all these things are taking your vote away and you're not allowed to vote anymore and so yeah there's still skill in how you try to adjust to that but i mean you're really strapped to a pole with an executioner there and like oh yeah well a skilled person will be able to uncuff themselves and run away like Rambo, <laughs> but let's be realistic. That's not going to happen, right? So, if it was less um, less punishing, I would have a different different opinion. I mean, even looking in the in the um, variations of poker that we've had, I'm like, you know, Omaha is a variation of all of them, right? Pineapple, yeah. Yeah. short neck, which I still haven't played yet. They're all variations, but they don't change the fundamental part of the game. They don't add punishments where you're stuck. I mean, right? I mean, it's not like you you draw a card and it says you're done with the hand. You know that, that, that no one's coming up with that kind of poker, right? Um, you're always able to play, and um, I just don't think that you're able to play the way you should play play now. Well, you know? let me ask you this: what was what was the thing that put you over? Like, what was the like? It was it the die that they rolled the die possibility in the well, voting? No yeah, so I and I don't mind that at all. I actually think that's kind of cool. That's very poker like, right? So. Um, that that's a an opportunity when you have no way of winning to to give you a sweat, right? I'm like think about it in poker. I'm like when you get it all in and you realize that the guy has a straight and you have no way of. I mean, you're dead, right? Right. How deflating that is. Now it's great on the other side. <laughs> you're the one that's straight, but it's deflating, right? Um, and particularly from a viewership standpoint. And then again, Survivor is a game for people to watch. Um, uh, that that. That gives you like a little bit of a sweat, and so I'm fine with that. For me, it's it's the oh, you found an advantage, but beware, there's a danger to it. And my argument with with David, and I think he's finally coming around with it now, is that who on earth is not going to open that, right? I mean, you're not going to like oh, I don't know what the risk is, so I'm not going to. It's not the way it works. So you're going to open it, and now the risk is that you don't have a vote until two other people say some nonsensical crap. Um, and so you're trapped and, and you can't give it back. You can't be like, okay, I, I, now that I know what it is, that's pretty bad. So I'm going to give it back and take a desert for punishment. It, it's, it, it's imprisoning people. And I, I don't think you should be imprisoned. I think, I think advantages should be advantages. Well, to quote Annie Duke, <laughs> you can always fold. And that's the thing though. Is so, that's the skill right there. Is you, to, you were stuck with that after you open it. Right, well, that's what I mean, though. You pick it up, you found it. It says beware. It says beware. So it's not like this is going to be great for you. It's beware. It could suck. It's kind of like the, the, the do you want to open the door, and then you get a chance to open the other two doors, and, of course, you take that chance. You never assume that that punishment is going to be that you can't vote. I mean, that that is just so. But, but that's it, the thing. That's That's the thing. Beware is its own word. It's its own definition. Beware. You know, you, you can go off on your own island with your steak dinner. You guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we talked enough about that. I'm a right. survivor. But anyhow, it's a great show still. And uh, definitely check out uh, David's podcast, uh, Why X Lost. It's, it's very good. So. Okay, cool. All right. And this is the week's update on Poker Room reopenings in Massachusetts. MGM Springfield will finally reopen its Poker Room on October 29th. I hear lots of cheers I hear from our. Massachusetts. I drove right by that building while I was in Connecticut because we went to Massachusetts to visit family members, and I saw it. It's nice. In Wisconsin, St. Croix Casino Turtle Lake has reopened its poker room. In California, Club One Casino has reopened in a new location that gets us to 282 reopened poker rooms in the United States. And we're going to go to antiapmagazine.com slash reopen. 
for all those details and email us at editor at antietmagazine.com to help us fix something and sign up for our weekly e-blast so you get every Thursday um, an update on Sue still open. All right, anti-updates. Papes, the Antiup fans' free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Antiup fans' group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask, call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, or Auntie Up Poker Tour logos. Uh, if you have a hand of the week, a listener spotlight, or a call to floor submission, email us at podcast at or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. We have a new O'Malley's move today. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2-$5 No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. This is a typical 2-5 game with a lot of players here who think they are better than they are. The game is 8-handed. The blinds post, the under-the-gun calls, the plus one and MP fold. The hijack raises to $20, which is a standard raise. This player is tight and aggressive, but doesn't know when to pump the brakes. He's up $150 and sits with around $1150. The cutoff folds, and we're on the button with around $750, down $250, and the ace of spades, ten of spades. I like this hand, but looking back, I think this is a raise or fold situation. The hijack could be trying to steal, but that goes against his style a bit. We ultimately decide to call. The small blind, big blind, and under the gun all fold. There's roughly $50 in the pot, and the flop is the queen of clubs, ten of hearts, ten of diamonds. The hijack leads out for $35. This is a great flop. We are only losing to queen queen and queen ten, and I don't think this player would have raised with queen ten. We're beating almost his entire range. I'm not too concerned with much, so we decide to slow play and let him hang himself. We call. There's now 120 in the pot, and the turn is the queen of diamonds. The hijack leads again for 100. Okay, not the greatest card. We are now losing to queen queen, ace queen, and king queen, but we're still ahead of aces, kings, jacks, and ace king, as well as other pairs. I don't want to raise, but I think I can make another call. There's now 320 in the pot, and the river is the nine of clubs. Our opponent now leads out for 300. So, if we call and lose, that leaves us with 300. Down big on the night. If we call and win, we're in the positive for the night. What's the move? It's time for the VancePokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't learned something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Paul Phillips is our Hand of the Week submitter this week. Cool. Uh, and he says he's listened to every episode on iTunes, so definitely wow. appreciate that loyalty. Wow. Um, all right, so he says he's playing a local card room where he's a regular and knows most of the players. He says, I'm considered a tight, aggressive player. It's 1-2, no limit, hold him, but it plays like 2-5 with typical openings between 15 and 20. Wow, I can't imagine sitting down a 1-2 game where the opening raises are 15-20. Well, 15 I've seen. I've seen that often. The 20, not really. Wow. I, I remember there was a game that Fast and I were playing somewhere in Vegas, and there was a kid that was raising the 22 every single hand. And it threw us all off our game, and then eventually the kid went broke, which is usually what happens. But yeah, yeah. that was an anomaly, but I can't imagine being a game where everybody opening like that. But yeah. all right. Uh, he says, I'm in the small blind with $337. Uh, he says, I'm on my third $300 uh, bullet due to a couple of massive suckouts earlier. Probably somebody drew rocks and the die thing <laughs> uh, and he says the big blind folds out of turn to use the restroom that's rude you can't do that sir Dang. gotta hold it uh, he says a middle position player maniac with $285 limps 
Um, another middle position player who is described as loose aggressive and co-owner of the card room uh, with $1,100 stack and who enjoys pushing people around, also limps. Uh, and the cutoff is a calling station with a $190 stack that will see every flop. Um, VPIP is nearly 100%. He also limps. And now we're in the small blind uh, with a king of diamonds, eight of diamonds. I'll limp. Right? I'll look for the, the miracle flop. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the action's cut off because the guy went to uh, Wee Wee. Um, so, you know, we're not going to get raised here, right? So, yeah. might as well limp. Holler. And we'll see what happens. But again, this is what we always say, right? It's, uh, you know, be careful what you're looking for here. Um, not looking for kings here. We're looking for diamonds. Yeah, we're looking for diamonds. All right, pot's 10 bucks. The flop comes the ace of diamonds, eight of clubs, trade of spades, and we are first to act. Oh, I'm not doing anything. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love that ace of diamonds. That's great. But I'm not betting out and then losing my opportunity to get a fourth diamond on the turn and then get interested. You know, there's no way. Or an so, eight, right? Yeah, I mean, I hit the eight, the eight too. So maybe a king or an eight on the turn. So, yeah. but I'm not betting it. Yeah, I'm not poking the bear at all. Yeah, yeah. We're hoping for one more card here that firms up our hand a little bit. Exactly. So. All right. Our hero checks and does check around. So the pot's still 10 bucks. Uh, turn is the seven of diamonds. So our board now is ace of diamonds, eight of clubs, tray of spades, seven of diamonds. And again, we are first act. Well, it's it's safe to bet now. Nobody else bet. So if somebody had an ace, they probably would have bet. Um, and especially when, when he described the players as maniacs and loose aggressive, if they're not betting that flop, they either really hammered it or they missed it and they're not really a maniac or loose aggressive. I'm not really sure. But in this case, I'm happy to bet. If somebody wants to raise it, I think I'd still call that. So um, I don't know. I I guess I'd bet pot. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, pot's the right bet. I think you have to bet here. I mean, now we've got our diamond draw. We still got that eight out there. We got a lot of ways we can improve here. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, no one took interest in this hand. Um, and I, at this point, I really think a king or – well, maybe not a king, but an eight certainly uh, wins this for us as well as diamond. Um, I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine somebody has two pair with – how this looks, but you know, everybody limps, so we don't really know. But, but we definitely got to find out now. We can't, um, can't wait for one more card. Yeah. Uh, plus, remember, you got to build some value here, too. So, we bet 10 bucks if everybody calls, and then we hit our diamond on the river. Um, if we didn't bet, you know, we're not going to get much action. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of our way to build a pot here. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, our hero bets 15, um, which, you know, it's interesting when we said pot because that's really the max you usually want to bet. But 10 bucks seems a little low for a game where people open for 15, 20. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not opposed to the 15, I guess. Um, um, middle position, middle position plus one call. Um, the cutoff min raises to 30 bucks, and it's back to us. Uh, I'm still calling because I'm not calling on the strength of my eight. I'm calling on the strength of the potential here. And for a min-raise, I've got the right odds to do this. And since the other one's just called, it's less likely that they're going to now come after us and pop it again or something. So I think we can get away with just calling for 15 more. It's going to be a ton of money in that pot. It's going to be totally worth the odds. Yeah, yeah, it's built. We, we it's succeeded here as long as nobody raises again, which I, I think you are correct. That that's not going to happen. We succeeded in building a really nice pot. We went from 10 bucks to a lot of money. And if we hit that diamond or that eight, we're going to be very excited now. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's what our hero does, too. Pot's now ballooned to 130. Because everyone else called? Um, yes, I'm sorry. Everybody else calls. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Let's keep ahead there. Yep. Um, pot's at 130. River's the four of diamonds. So our final board is ace of diamonds, eight of clubs, tray of spades, seven of diamonds, four of diamonds, ricky ticky tabby. <laughs> we are first act. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So... For people to call there, they might be on a draw two, which might be interesting. They might have a lower flush than us, a worse flush than us. So that'd be really cool. The person who min-raised, um, if I remember correctly, that was the cutoff. So the cutoff was a calling station. So there's no guarantee that that person's going to bet for us, but they did raise. And what's to raise there? If they didn't hit the ace, then did they slow play a set? which would be great because then you know they're probably going to bet. 
but they might be scared of that diamond. So I, I don't know. Right? Yeah. You got too much in his hand for you not to think that at least one person was hanging around for diamonds. So I feel like I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's weird. If some of those people were hanging around to make a flush too, it'd be a great check. Um, and if the person had a set and didn't really pick up on the diamonds, it'd be a great check. But in this case, I don't know if I can rely on that. I mean, the seven came, so somebody could have had nine, ten, and got checked around. So on the flop, so I mean, they could be on a straight draw, and that's why they missed. You know, so yeah. they're not going to bet for you. They don't necessarily have to have a diamond draw for all these calls. Right. So I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to bet here, which is going to suck if we have the obviously we have the nuts. If if someone you know folds that might have bet if we had checked, but you can't really think that way. You got to get your value now. You got to so. bet. You- and here's the problem with it. I mean, you just have to acknowledge that you're in the small blind, and that just sucks, right? Yeah, it's yeah. you're out of position when, um, when you uh, uh, let people catch up to you, and then you're you're at this mercy here where you have to bet because you have to bet because um, if you don't, it checks around. You're not going to get any money. Uh, you've got somebody who was at least interested enough in the turn to raise. Um, and then you've had a bunch of other callers, which you're right. One of them could be a straight draw, but I would put money on somebody else as a flush draw out there. So, uh, but also remember that people see that last diamond and they're, they acknowledge that the flush got there. How many times do people still make that crying call? Yeah. Like, oh gosh, I can't put that diamond got there. All right. I got to see it. Yeah. The famous, I got to see it. Right. So just because you bet here doesn't mean that you're going to drive everybody out. So, I, I think the way to maximize value here is to bet. Now, the question is how much. Um, I'm thinking maybe half pot, maybe well, a little less. I don't know. When we used to analyze back in the beginning days of our show, and even if it was ABC Poker, you know, you'd look at the little green book of poker that Phil Gordon did. Yeah. Um, he used to always tell you that, you know, on the flop, you're going to want to bet about two thirds of the pot because the pot's smaller, but you want to get enough money out there to discourage things. Then on that turn, he would say about half. On the river, he would say about a third, unless you're making some grand play to try to confuse somebody. So if I'm looking for a value bet here, and I'm looking for the right amount to bet to get a call on the end, I'm thinking like 40 or 50. You know, half the pot, it seems like 65, 70, and that might be too much if somebody's got one pair. But if you bet 40 or 50, you might get two calls. You know, or you might get somebody who's willing to try to bluff and raise or whatever. So if I bet too much... You know, I might not get that extra call. I'm trying to get the most value out of this hand. There were so many people in the hand, I might get two calls for 40, but I might get zero calls for 70 or 80. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would probably bet 40 or 50 if I were to bet out here and hope I get at least two calls or somebody who raised earlier that cutoff. Now they make it 150 after I get another call in between or something. Now I'm making a lot of money. So I don't know. That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, the difficulty here is you've got, what, three three other people in this hand, right? So what's the better play, to get three callers at a smaller amount or get one caller at a bigger amount? Yeah. Uh, and if you're up against the, the queen flush here, I mean, you could bet. It, it'd be better for you to bet the pot here and let them think that you're betting so big because you've got a smaller flush. Yeah. I mean, imagine that if you're one of these other players and you have the queen flush and someone now bets out who hasn't really done anything the entire hand and bets a pot size when the flush gets there, you got to think that your queen is probably good, right? Yeah. This person has a 10 high flush or something like that. So there, there is that argument too. And I think with three people in this hand, that might be the way to go now that I think. Um, plus you also have this cutoff that, that raised before now, you know, again, they might be scared off by the diamonds, but I think, I think you got some potential here to get one or two callers and maybe even a raise with a bigger bet. So I know probably the book probably tells you to go with a smaller, like a third of the pot kind of bet here. But the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm thinking like a hundred bucks or something. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with 40. You're going to go a hundred. 40 or 50. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, our hero says believing uh, one of the two, um, the middle position, mid position one player would bet. I check planning on check raising. Hmm. Middle position player bets 100. The next player snap calls. Cut off things for 20 or 30 seconds and calls. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. All right. I guess we don't know what we're doing because that's that's the best case scenario here. Wow. We have the nuts, and now we've just added $300 to the pot, plus we get the raise here. 
Wow, that's insane. Jeez. It's got to be multiple flushes in a set. What else could it be? No one's yeah. going to call a top two here or something. No. Wow. And even the set is a hardcore call there for at hundred bucks. I mean, yeah. when I was saying I was going to bet a hundred bucks, I was assuming that somebody had the flush. I, w- I wasn't expecting a set was going to call a hundred bucks there. Wow. And five six is possible, but how did five six get there? So, true too, you yeah. know, what I mean, how did they even get to that point? But wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just shoving now. I, we only started with like three something. So. Yeah, we have three oh five left. All so. right, I'm shoving. Yeah, I mean, so I wonder now. Whether you're going to get a call it or not, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. You've, I mean, this is a massive plot for King Eight, right? That we got there. So even if nobody else calls, but I guess there might be a point of raising less than that. I mean, I don't know how you do it now because the pot's now at four thirty and right four thirty. Yeah, because three hundred onto it. Yeah, four thirty. You only got three hundred five left. So I mean, yeah, I guess you got to show, but be interesting to see what happens. Um, well, okay, so we the call would be a hundred, right? Call would be a hundred, so you'd be raising it to two hundred. So you're asking someone else to call another two hundred. If you get one call out of it, then it's this because by shoving, then it's the same as making it a hundred and getting three calls. You get three hundred. So maybe you make it a min raise to, but I don't know. Maybe the min raise would scare people. I don't know, but maybe you make it a min raise, you know, and get two three callers for a hundred more than. The shove, which now 200, they're going to obviously think you have it. But if you, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's hard to decide. No, that's a good math problem to have. So we've got three opponents, right? So if we raise all in 305, we need one of them to call to equal the same if we bet 100 and got all of them to call. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I can't imagine all three calling that extra 100. I know it sounds crazy because it's only an extra 100, but if you were sitting here on a set, and then now somebody re-raises. There's absolutely zero expectation that you can win now, right? You have to you have to fold unless you're really stupid, I think. Yeah. So I don't I don't know whether there's a chance here that's that you're gonna get all three collars for a hundred. I do think there's a good chance that you'll get one collar at three oh five though. Yeah, if you get one collar at three oh five, you're making two hundred more, but if you get all three collars at one hundred more, you're getting three hundred. So you get more yeah, money. At, you see more money, right? Yeah. You get more money by making it a min raise. I think a better chance of getting that money too. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Maybe, I think a raise has got to be. I mean, the all in is the best play here. The all in's the best play. I think so. Yeah, because you think the odds of all three calling a hundred are less than getting one caller for right. And if I get a caller, I'm still making yeah. five x. All right. All right. right. Let's shove. Yeah. All right. That's what our hero does. Uh, middle position player snap calls for less. Uh, I forgot about the less part. Oh, the less part. Yeah. Uh, middle position player plus one tanks for a minute and folds, but holds onto his cards. Yeah. And the side calls for last. Yeah, we always like that crying call there. Thank you. Uh, we show our nut flush. Uh, middle position player shows a deuce tray of diamonds. <laughs> middle position plus one who folded shows a jack ten of diamonds. And the cutoff says he flopped his set. All right, so hey, all right, so we we called the cutoff hand pretty well. Yeah, it's a little shocking that they would call uh, that river. I mean. Now for less, they didn't say how much less. I guess they started with one ninety. All right, so they must not have much left at all. Yeah, that's you got to try. Um, really interesting that the middle position snap calls for the worst flush out there. <laughs> then we had that player that's like I said, had jack of ten diamonds, not the queen of diamonds, but pretty close to. But folded. Yeah. Wow. Well, at that point, I mean, I think that's what I'm saying. You had to, so. It's interesting. You would have thought in this scenario that that would have been the one caller, and that ends up being the one fold, and the other two lesser hands make the call to make this a good play nonetheless. So then I wonder if the min raise works because I was we were forgetting that the stacks were a lot smaller than ours for at least two of them. You know, one had like two eighty, and the other one had one hundred and ninety. So if you're thinking about that before you min raise, you might get that person to commit their. They're at hundred or whatever, whatever it is, rather than folding because it's such a little amount versus if they. Yeah, actually, person. I really wish we would have done the math and figured out how yeah. much access in this pot because that that would be the answer to that story that you're telling here. So yeah, because the uh, the middle position plus one with the jack ten of diamonds was the owner. He was covered. He's the yeah, owner. Yeah, he was covered. Yeah, he had the best hand out of the three. So so he made a hundred. He might have called. 
in theory, he's the reason that we bet the 305 because he's the one that's supposed to be calling. Yeah. And he's the one that folded. So if we'd bet 100, we would have got the rest of the other two's money, but then we would have gotten 100, maybe 100 out of the other guy. You got yeah. 100 out. Jeez. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh. It's funny well, when these hands go this way because when I'm reading them with you, you know, I'm reading my notes and I'm thinking, oh, the, the diamond came. This is going to be a short hand. There's nothing really to talk about. But it ends up being one of the more interesting hands again because you're trying to get value out of it. It's not just how to play the cards in the streets and stuff. It's the value now. And there was a lot to think about there. Certainly was. That was crazy. All right, Paul, hey. thanks for the hand. That's awesome. Fantastic. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.